Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Feel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. And we've arrived at the last episode for season three, episode number 40. Jesus, it feels like it's been a long, long journey to get here, man. What a long, strange trip it's been. It really has. But, uh, you know, good times all the way around. From the word go, up until now. it's, It's been great. Yeah, it's something I definitely look forward to, and uh, I hope all of you guys look forward to it as well. Uh, it's certainly a highlight of my week. Jim, how you doing, man? You know, I'm good. I, I'm scheduled to the nostrils, and that is kind of... Uh, we're recording this during the only spare hour or two that I have during this week. Uh, it is a big week. I was on vacation last week, so I'm playing catch-up a little bit this week with work. But, of course, this week uh, also is... Uh, the week when a lot of out-of-town friends are in town, so there's a lot going on on the old social calendar, just trying to see a lot of people get out and do a lot of things. And as we will dig into during the actual meat of this episode, uh, it is a very uh, big week in, in the geek world because uh, Spider-Man No Way Home finally opens this weekend. Finally. So that's, uh, I've got tickets to see it twice, you're going... To see it as well, so it's it's going to be a. Uh, by the time you hear this, uh, that shit is out. Um, so uh, I hope you've had a chance to go and see it. And if not, then uh, I don't think either one of us. I think I speak for for you as well when I say take off your headphones, uh, put down your phone, and go and watch that, and then come back. We're not going to spoil it. We haven't seen it yet either, so don't worry about that. But but in terms of uh, of getting your geek on, uh, I don't think either one of us would be upset about taking a backseat to Spidey for a minute. Hell no, and I think. More so than even just wanting to watch the movie, which I absolutely do. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it just so I can have the actors stop fake being coy about whether they're in the movie or not. It's like, alright, so Andrew Garfield can shut up on Twitter for a while. And people can give uh, uh, old Toby a break and, and let him be for a little while. And Alfred Molina can stop saying things that get him in trouble with Kevin Feige. And I guess I Jamie really Foxx got in trouble for oh, that, yeah. for spoiling shit, too. Well, yeah. I mean, the, I think the whole reason why he and Alfred Molina were in the trailer, and, uh, and Willem Dafoe isn't yet. I mean, you know, his voice is in the Ish. trailer, and his costume is in the trailer. Ish. Yeah. Uh, is, is because Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina both slipped up and fucked up and admitted they were in the movie. Hello, Peter. Uh, so, you know, I mean, they kind of got to lean into that. It's it's These things... Marvel is so good. They're so good about... This kind of stuff. The, the famous story that you and I have talked about here before about uh, Mark Ruffalo leaving his phone broadcasting on Facebook Live in his pocket, watching Thor Ragnarok for the first ten minutes, and him thinking, "That's it, I'm fucking toast, I'm fired," and then uh, <laughs> getting a phone call from Kevin Feige where he said, "That was brilliant. We can't buy publicity like that." Whether or not that was intentional, whatever, I don't think it was because I just know, oh, yeah, it's pretty obvious who Mark Ruffalo is. As a person, but <laughs> I love all the, I love the um, memes where he's in the background of everyone else's picture, and it's like, will someone please remind Mark Ruffalo that he's famous too? Peekaboo! Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, he's back you know, there uh, just creeping in everybody's photos. He's photobombing. Everybody. I've spent a lot of time in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I went to college there. My folks are from there, and that's Mark Ruffalo's hometown. And there's a certain Midwestern self-deprecating humility that goes along with being from kind of a bedroom community that's unremarkable, except for. Um, you know, certain things that have happened in the news recently that we won't discuss. But nevertheless, I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, But I find interesting about the different reactions of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to to being kind of pressed by 
by the press, which is, I guess, why they're called that, to admitting they're in the film, is that Andrew Garfield has, uh, oh, no, he's issued all kinds of denials. He's been all over Twitter. He's done junkets for other movies he's in uh, where he's, he's had to say, oh, no, it's, it's all those. That would be wonderful if I was. I'm super proud of the work I did on that franchise, and I've really liked Tom Holland's uh, versions of the character, but, uh, you know, that's not me. Uh, not in it. Um, but Tobey Maguire has just kind of shut the fuck up, which is easier for him, I suppose, because Andrew Garfield is still working, and Tobey Maguire is in a Damien Chazelle movie coming up, I think, but other than that, uh, he's, he's been pretty much out of the public eye for a while, so it's been easier for him to sort of, like, not have to duck constant questions from nosy people at press junkets, um, but, you know, uh, overall, I think it's, uh, it, you're right. Being able to see these guys not have to lie anymore about, yes, I'm in the movie, fine, you guys win. Because, again, no spoilers on this episode. All we're doing is disseminating stuff that's already out there in the press. But um, the, the headline that I saw uh, in BBC uh, is that Spider-Man pleases critics and plays the hits. Which is as non-spoilery, spoiler way of saying, yeah, they're bringing back a lot of old characters, a lot of old storylines. We already know all the old Garfield and Maguire villains are in this movie based on the trailer. Um, so it would just stand to reason that those guys are going to show up. We all know they're going to. We got a week left to continue pretending we don't know that. The they got a week left to continue pretending. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's all coming to a head this weekend, and, and I think it'll be a, a relief for everybody, much like a sneeze, orgasm, or expressed wound, to finally be able to say, you know what, pressure's off. Everything's good. Yeah, we're in the movie. We all know they are. We all know they are. They have to be at this point. And if they're not, it's going to be the biggest disappointment in cinematic history. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking relieved, forward to it, too. Relieved like a fart after everyone gets off the elevator. Jesus. Fucking serious here. Like the, the airplane. You, know, you fart in the jetway because you could walk away from it. So that'll be fun. But speaking of uh, of Marvel spoilers and denials and people being forced to lie, you brought this up to me, and this had not been on my radar. But uh, you want to talk about the uh, the 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 Thor? What is the, what is the title of the new Thor movie? It's, it's, it's uh, I'm, Thor: I'm Love and Thunder. Farts. Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, you sent me the, uh, the the poster for that, and I hadn't seen it until just before we started recording on this. So take it away. Yeah, uh, it was kind of an interesting story. Uh, I guess uh, it's a it's a someone had released an image a grainy image of the Thor a supposed Thor Love and Thunder poster which features uh, Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman and Korg and allow me to introduce myself my name is Korg I'm kind of like the leader in here I'm made of rocks as you can see but don't let that intimidate you Valkyrie and all these characters front and bright and center on this poster in their new costumes looking good and all that and. Uh, I guess it's like a really early leak, so uh, Taika Waititi, being the director that he is, tried to jump out in front of it and goes, oh no, that's not ours. I wish I wish that was ours. That looks great, but it's not ours. And That's a fan creation. Somebody photoshopped that. Nah, like, we didn't do that. That's boss logic or something. I don't know. Right. But uh, uh, I guess Marvel, uh, someone at Marvel, I don't know who it was. I could look it up, but I don't care that much, but... Uh, they they came out and said no, it's it's ours. It was released early, and then now there's a, a high res version of it going around, and it was just an early release. Somebody jumped a gun on like marketing materials and whatnot, and uh, so this poster uh, features a really really good shot of of Chris Hemsworth's new Thor costume. Uh, it features Natalie Portman in her Thor costume. With the, the blonde hair and the helmet and holding me older and all that, which is not a spoiler to anyone who's actually read the comics. Uh, because anyone who's read the comics will know that 
there was a storyline uh, called Unworthy where uh, Thor had some issues where he couldn't pick up Mjolnir anymore because he was deemed unworthy. And so he went off on a quest to find out why and find out, recover his worthiness, basically. But in the interim, the world needed a Thor, and uh, Jane Foster became Thor in uh, Marvel 616 continuity, which is the comic continuity. And uh, they, they got a whole lot of backstory with that I won't get into because it's a, a super too long, didn't read, but... Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that movie. I think the addition of Korg is fantastic. I think he's hilarious. Again, Taika Waititi just doing what he do. But uh, yeah, he 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 pulled an Andrew Garfield and protested too much, and then got shut down pretty quick. Well, you know they have to do that. That really it just speaks to the Marvel marketing machine and their absolute brilliance. That no matter what anybody says, it could be real, it could be not real, and you don't even know until they see the movie because we you know we've got we talked about. Uh, um, Tom Holland and Mark Ruffalo being fucking spoiler machines, and they are. Oh, yeah. Um, Mark Ruffalo not just uh, having the phone on in his pocket during the first ten minutes of Thor Ragnarok premiere, but also uh, there's that famous clip of he and Don Cheadle as they're promoting uh, Endgame. Or no, it wasn't even Endgame. It was... Uh, Infinity War. Uh, yeah, Infinity War. As they all just blur together when you see them all, and have seen them all as many times <laughs> as we have, where, where Mark Ruffalo is talking to somebody at a press junket and saying, yeah, half of everybody dies. And Don Cheadle goes, oh, come on, man. He turns to, with a shock look on his face. What the fuck, bro? And you think it's a bit. You think he's acting because they're both such incredible performers. But it turns out to be true. You know, and we didn't know that for about another year, year and a half past that point. But, uh, you know, Ruffalo dropped that shit at a press junket. And, and so... You never know. Anything could be real. Anything could be a spoiler. So for Marvel to put Taika Waititi into a position where he straight up fucking has to lie. Uh, nope, that's not my pay stuff. Didn't do that. Looks great, though. You know, for him to have to be in that spot uh, and play the game the way that Marvel more or less demands it must be played. And then for Feige and company or whomever to come out and say, yeah, yeah, he was full of shit. That's actually ours and it's real. Uh, Taika Waititi <laughs> is faultless. He's just doing what he's pretty much, what he has to do. What Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire have had to do for the last year and a half or two years. It really is just all part of the machine, and, and uh, it's just as much a part of the experience as actually seeing the movie when it comes to Marvel. Yeah, and, and I th like you said, I think he's doing his due diligence. I think he didn't yeah. do it well enough, obviously, because uh, for whatever reason, he got just squashed on that. They came back and they're like, nah, he's lying, he's whatever. But, but he had yeah. to. He had to, and we all know that, and Marvel knows that, and it really, it really is part of the game. It is part of the game because you just never know. Anything could be real. Anything could be fake. Um, there's just no telling until something actually drops and you can see it for yourself. And you know, Taika Waititi, I, I am just, I, I love this guy. I absolutely love him. I think he's a fantastic. I mean, anybody who's seen anything like what we do in the shadows or Jojo Rabbit, the man is a brilliant writer, director, performer. Uh, he's fantastic. Uh, so I'm just I'm a huge fan of his, and I'm so glad he's he's part of this universe because uh, Thor Ragnarok is I think one of the stronger entries in, in in the entire MCU, and that's saying something given how good the rest of their stuff is. But he's just it's so cool to have him on board and to have him out there doing his thing and and, and making these things happen. I, I just love the dude, and I can't wait to see what else he does, especially coming up in the Marvel universe. Yeah. So. I mean, that, that's some of the newer stuff that's dropped. And I think we're going to do a, a bit of a news segment here once we get into everything. Because, we, I mean, we we haven't been focusing so heavy on the nerd news nexus aspect of things, which, you know, is a bit that we're going to keep trying to go through into the new season and all. I really enjoy talking about it, so 
Uh, yeah, me too. And there's so much out there all the time. It's, it really is a great time to be a nerd, as we've said so many times. There's just so much media. There's, there's, there are so many amazing things happening in the worlds of uh, music and comics and video games and television. It's just, it, it really is. A, we're, we're buried under content and spoilful choice of the kinds of things we want to check out. Uh, I'm so, I, I've said this many times, I'm so far behind on my pop culture queue. All the things I need to check out, all the stuff I need to watch, all the things I need to listen to and play. And it, it's, it really is a wonderful time to, to, to not have enough time to get to all the entertainment that you actually need to consume. How amazing is that? Back, I, I'm old enough. I'm dating myself here. Somebody has to, but I'm dating myself in the sense that I remember um, having three three television channels, and now there's hundreds, and all of them are creating original content plus streaming. I mean, it's just there's so much, and I, we are I, uh, definitely so much for choice. Yeah. We're definitely we are. for choice, and we had a, an issue come up this weekend. We were supposed to record a podcast this weekend. And just for whatever yeah. reason, scheduling-wise, it was a fucking nightmare. Now, let me tell you this. I've seen your schedule. I asked you today. I'm like, hey, when are we going to record? And you said today, but here's my schedule. And you you sent me all the shit that you have to do for this week, and it made my eyes roll back in the back of my head. <laughs> like, it's just, it boggled my mind how you can operate like that. But uh, So we had uh, some time open up this weekend, and so... Speaking of media that I never get a chance to consume, I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to sit down and play a video game all weekend. Uh, responsibility be damned. And so I sat down and I played a nice huge chunk of, of the new Halo game. Which is fantastic, let me add, just because I had fully intended on going out and purchasing this game. Because I buy all the Halo games. It's just what you do. Yeah. If you're an Xbox aficionado, that's what you do. And so I was going to go out and buy it, and then I got the notice that it was ready to download. Because I have Xbox Game Pass. And I had to do a double take and be like, nah, not the whole game. Not seriously. The campaign and the multiplayer? No shit. And so... Uh, I downloaded the whole game and I, I spent the entire weekend playing the campaign. I'm not, I don't even think I'm a third of the way through it. Uh, very challenging. If you're into Halo, uh, the only one I really didn't get behind was Halo like 5 Guardians because I'm not a big squad based, team based kind of gamer when I play these games. I'm kind of like that lone wolf that the, the, the Master Chief is and I just like to run off and do my thing. But uh, yeah, this well, it just really goes to show you how much game. money that, that Xbox must be making off of Game Pass. Because we've made this point before, um, maybe a couple of months ago, where Xbox is kind of trans. Well, Microsoft in general is kind of doing what Microsoft has always done. Microsoft uh, only got into hardware manufacturing when the first Xbox came out 20 some years ago. Um, so Microsoft is doing what they do best. They have become a software distribution platform. That's how they do. And mm-hmm. Game Pass has been so remarkably successful that. I mean, I pay for it. I don't play it every month. I don't download something every month. But ten bucks a month, and, and you get early access to pretty much every first-party title, um, which is going to include I'll, I'll the Bethesda some point, lineup here coming up. Hell yeah! I mean, I at some point I'm going to download Halo Infinite. I'm still working on Assassin's Creed Valhalla because they will not stop squirting out DLC for that shit. Another one came out today. They're doing a crossover 
with uh, with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, with I, which I also played and loved. Uh, I'm still in the middle of Psychonauts 2, and I'm still chipping away at Far Cry 6 whenever I have a chance. So I will get to Halo. Uh, it might be spring. Uh, but again, that's being behind the eight ball. With this, There's just so much media to consume. I will get to it. But that really is such a fantastic thing that they're doing um, with, with the Game Pass. It's there, There's always something new to play, which is both the tagline and the, the selling point. So much so that I've been reading articles about PlayStation doing pretty much the same thing coming up pretty soon. They've been exploring putting oh, yeah. out their own version of Game Pass, which they'd be dumb not to do. I they'd mean, be, if you look at how much money the Microsoft's made. Yeah, they'd be lighting a pile of money on fire if they didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, and also Not just thing, leaving it on the table, but lighting it straight the fuck on fire. You're absolutely right. right. Because it's it's something that's absolutely demanded for, and, and they're dicking yeah. around with it enough on the outside edges of it, you know, with the uh, PlayStation Now and all that, but... They're not mm-hmm. tapping into it as fully as they could, like the Game Pass does, and so I think that's going to be something that's inevitable, uh, obviously. But another good thing that Game Pass is doing is, like with this Halo release, in fact, uh, they are getting people in the mindset of Halo again, which is a huge property from Microsoft, obviously. But they're also using it as advertisement for their new Halo series coming out on uh, on uh, Paramount Plus here pretty soon. And I gotta say, uh, speaking of nerd news, I, I sat and watched uh, the trailer for that. Have you seen that one yet? I haven't. Uh, I, I know that they've been kicking around trying to do a, a big screen or even uh, small screen adaptation of Halo for a long time, at least as long as um, Elysium, which was the Matt Damon and Jodie Foster movie that came out a number of years right. ago. It was, I believe, uh, who was, again, I'm, gonna, I'm blanking on the name, the South African guy that did District 9. Um, Ah, oh, Neil Blomkamp. That's that that guy. He's he who did District Nine. He did Chappie. Um, he's 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 the, the South African writer director. Yeah, um, he's fantastic. And yeah, he was originally yeah, he uh, gonna do uh, a Halo movie, but it got pulled back. And yeah. I think he was gonna do an Aliens movie at one point, and that got pulled. And then it became Elysium. And anybody who watched Elysium, which was you know the rich, <laughs> and again, it's it was sort of prescient in, prescient, in, in a lot yeah. of ways that a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, sci-fi movies are. In that, oh, guess what? The billionaires left the planet and started their own space colony that just so weird. happens to be a ring in space. Uh, <laughs> the, the lineage, the, the DNA of that movie, if you watch it, is very it's obvious and started off all as a Halo yeah. project. Uh, and then it became uh, more of like a dystopian uh, sort of uh, sci-fi film with Matt Damon and Jodie Foster. Great movie if you haven't seen it. But uh, I remember watching it thinking, wow, they ripped off Halo. Well, no, it started as a Halo project. That's how long this thing's been in development. And then that branched off and became something else. But, yeah, the Halo series on Paramount Plus is, is uh, next year. So that should be interesting, too, to kind of see what they do with the property and the idea once they take it back and actually do what they originally intended to do with it, or whatever it became after Elysium was, was a movie. I gotta say, uh, the guy they got playing uh, Master Chief is Pablo uh, Schreiber, I believe I said I believe I was saying that right. Um, he, he, you don't see his face in the trailer, and hopefully you don't see his face at all. Kind of treat it like a Judge Dredd, I would think. Just never see him without the helmet. That's how I would do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, even Mando took it off eventually, but yeah, Master Chief never does. You see, uh, that's the and, way. And the, and the cast is great. Paul uh, Pablo Schreiber is playing Master Chief. Uh, you got Natasha McAlone as Doctor Catherine Halsey. Uh, you got Bokeem Woodbine, who's absolutely great in everything he's in. Oh, Bokeem uh, Woodbine was just had a very uh, small but pivotal role in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which uh, he just true. absolutely stole the entire show. He he, he had a moment he's in great. that movie, which I will yeah. not spoil. Yeah. 
he, he, he did. He had this moment that is one of the ones you wait for. If you go to see a Ghostbusters movie, he, he got to have his moment. And it was, it was luscious and brilliant, and he's a fantastic actor. And then Jen Taylor as uh, Cortana, and she looks fantastic. So, But the thing is, is, is they're putting this all together, and, and they showed the trailer. They don't show a hell of a lot, but they do to make sure to show... Uh, Halo Master Chief. I, I, I was wanting to call him John, but nobody calls him John. I was going to call him Spartan 117. Nobody calls him that. It's It's Master Chief. You get to see him do the superhero landing, you know, uh, on the planet in that armor. And the armor looks so fucking good and so real, and I'm here for it. But Microsoft is doing a fantastic job, uh, even just the release schedule for the new Halo games, uh, loading yeah. up and, and getting people thirsty for this show, for all things Halo. And I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I got to give uh, Sony some love too on the other side of the coin in terms of their video game based properties too because another bit of new nerd news just dropped uh, uh, last week or so where the the Last of Us series which is being headed up by a guy that I did a little bit of work with when I was in LA trying to be a screenwriter a guy named Craig Mazin who's the showrunner and head writer on that uh, he also wrote the last two Hangover movies he wrote Identity Thief with um, Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman um, worked on the second uh, <clears throat> Snow White and the Huntsman movie. And also won an Emmy there for was a the phenomenal. One? Yeah, there was. Didn't do great, but it was a good movie. Oh, Jesus. Um, but he, he won an Emmy for his his work on the uh, HBO Chernobyl series, which was fucking amazing. If you haven't seen that, but he's heading up the uh, the Last of Us series for, for for HBO, and that's great because Craig is a gamer. He's a committed gamer. If you listen to his Script Notes podcast, which I do, um, he and his co-host John John August, who uh, who's written a bunch of great movies, you've also seen. Uh, they have a weekly D&D game. They're also both video gamers. Uh, but uh, that's why they hired Craig, because not only is he a very successful showrunner for a limited-run series on HBO with his Emmy win for Chernobyl, but he also uh, is a gamer. He also wrote the first draft on the, the Borderlands film that's coming out with uh, with Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Kate Blanchett. So that's going to be... And, and Jamie Lee Curtis. That'll be fun and interesting. Um, so he's kind of become that guy, the go-to guy, for when you, when you want to write video game entertainment, which... We've been over in the very uh, <laughs> the illustrious Why Are Video Game Movies Always Dog Shit episode. Uh, but I think we even talked about The Last of Us uh, at the time as being one that I was particularly looking forward to because I knew that the, that the person running the show, literally running the show, was going to do a great job. But the casting news that dropped last week was that Bill, uh, who players of The Last of Us series were, remember from the first game, as being the guy who set all the traps that Joel and Ellie had to avoid uh, in order to stop blowing themselves up on the way to go and ask him for some help. Bill will be played in the series by Nick Offerman. So that's <laughs> a big get. Nice. Looking forward to seeing what he does with that. I like Nick Offerman. He's he's both dry and amusing at the same time, which is fantastic. I like Nick Offerman because he kind of... I just listened to a podcast he did with uh, on the uh, Armchair Expert podcast with uh, Monica Pabin and Dax Shepard, where he, he, he kind of he kind of talks a little bit about... But it's less that what he talks about, more what he lives. He sort of redefines masculinity in a way that's very sort of post-patriarchal. And I like it a lot. I mean, obviously he played Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec, and everybody knows him as like the mustache-growing, bacon-loving, you know, comically misogynist kind of character. But Nick Offerman himself, 
he's a big burly dude with a mustache and he's a woodworker and he's he kind of exudes this avuncular charm but he's the first person to tell you hey i was a giant nerd in high school because i was the only guy who danced ballet nobody wanted to date me um i went to theater school and when i got married to megan Mullally, i figured that's cool i'm mr Mullally now because she's very successful and that's <laughs> going to be my whole thing she's the breadwinner i'm Nick cool Mullally. with that Nick Mullally, yeah. So he really redefines masculinity in a way that's that's not toxic. Uh, still has some, you know, great stuff going on, like you know the 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 gruff, velvety voice and the mustache, and the fact that he can make a canoe with his eyes closed and it actually fucking floats. Good on him for that. But he also is a sensitive guy who's in touch with his emotions and and isn't afraid to express them and is the first to admit that yeah, I, I took ballet in school. Uh, helped me with my movement when I went to acting school. So I love I'll that. I'll tell guy. you I what, that guy. Fucking masculinity needs it needs to be rewritten. Yes. Because really there's does. so much toxic masculinity out there uh, that, you know, it's it's damaging. And everyone's like, oh, you're just not a man's man. It's like, no, you just you just have this force-fed version of what a man should be. Men don't cry. Men don't show emotions. Uh, men aren't into the arts and, and things like that. You have to be into sports. You have to like only yeah. a certain color subset. You can't be in touch with your... Your softer side, you can't be into decorating or... Fuck like, all you that know noise. What? Fuck everything. No matter who you are, and I'm going to say this again, and I know I've said it before and I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. Male, female, trans, bi, whatever you choose to be, whatever you are, you can do anything you want. The only person holding you back is you. And, and anybody so, who wants to stand in your way is a fucking dinosaur who deserves to just be left in the dust... Uh, as, as a relic of history. I posted a screenshot of a tweet the other day on my Facebook, my personal Joe Facebook. Rowling. It was from a guy... Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> this guy named Ryan Knight, and his his, uh, his Twitter handle is at ProudResistor. And he said, and I quote, and I agree with him, masculinity is not under attack. Masculinity is being redefined to not include harassing women or bullying people who are different than you. Masculinity is being expanded to a more loving space, and if you can't handle that, then you deserve to be left in the past with your hate. What a concise, beautiful piece of language that oh, is. Oh, yeah. And accurate. Amen. And actually, there was another piece of media that really hit me. You, you reminded me that I wanted to talk about that. Uh, Will Wheaton, uh, who we've talked about numerous times on this show, being very uh, uh, nerd positive and very uh, accepting and open and loving and, and just a very just down-to-earth cool dude. Geek hero uh, for all the right reasons. Absolutely. Uh, he posted a very painful story. Uh, the mm -hmm. other day, and it was a bit of a long read, but it's absolutely worthwhile. I, I always recommend you to check out uh, uh, Will Wheaton on uh, Twitter or on Facebook to check out the whole thing, because I'm obviously not going to read the whole thing. But but he posted this long story about uh, when he started realizing that words have consequences. Yeah. And he was talking about, uh, in specific, when he was a younger man, playing hockey... Uh, he liked to play arena hockey with a bunch of just random teams. He'd jump in whenever he could. It was one of the few things that he really enjoyed doing because, I mean, he was being forced to be an actor and forced to do this, that, and the other thing. Um, yep. But this is one of the things that he could control, one of the things that he enjoyed doing. Um, and so he got into a groove where he started using hateful speech uh, in return or in regards to. Uh, homosexual males, and, and in particular the F word, which we won't say. It's the it's the F word I won't say, we'll say. Because I'll say the other Fuck one at length. I'll say the other one at length whether you want me to or not. But, uh, 
And, and, and he was kind of stunned because the guys in the locker room just kind of stopped and stared at him. And he realized at that point that they were all gay men. And he, he was using it in a way that, you know, was intended to, oh, I'm just, it's just, it doesn't have the same meaning for me. I'm just using it. It's just a word. And uh, Locker room talk in a very literal sense, like fucking Trump used to say. Exactly. And then they had to ex- examine and, and explain to him that it may not have that kind of consequence or meaning to you. But what about the people around you? What about the people that yeah. it hurts that you mm-hmm. don't even recognize? And that was a real moment of awakening for him. And, and 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 I felt that very keenly because growing up in Colorado, I was much the same way. I didn't have a lot of exposure to uh, other cultures. First and foremost, uh, uh, the least of all, least of which was uh, gay culture and 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 things like that. So I had no idea yep. about any of that. And so. You know, anything that's new and scary is new and scary. And so, you know, I treated it just like that. And, you know, I, I said all the bad words and, and laughed at all the bad jokes. And mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah. I came to a real head, too, just like Will did. That, you know, once I realized that this is hurtful speech, this is not something that's just shouted into a void. This has consequences, this has meaning. Yes. And so I had a real. Uh, moment in my life too in my early young adult life where I had to come to grips with the fact that all of this stuff has consequences it it paints a picture of the person that you are and the person that you want to be and and of course I did not want that to be who I am and so I absolutely set out to to be a better person to learn my lesson and and to go forth and help teach other people that same lesson and and to see Will uh, phrase it so perfectly was just fantastic. So, well, I think that's something that that a lot of people experience. I think it's 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 a rite of passage in a way to understand, especially if you grow up around people who who use rough language or who use who toss out slurs like like uh, like nobody's business. I mean, I will not say the slur either, but um, I, I will say that as a kid, I was surrounded by a lot of people who anytime they wanted to uh, disparage something or, or use a pejorative, they'd say, oh man, that's so gay. And that was just a very ignorant, small-town, youthful, indiscretion sort of thing. And I may have even said it a couple of times as a kid because I literally didn't know better. But as I got older and started to really understand that, that there are a lot of different kinds of people and everybody was different and that is as it should be and everybody has an absolute right to live their life and nobody is any better than anybody else, it started right. to really, just like you know your development and like obviously Will's, it came to a point where I realized, hey, that's really not a cool thing to say. It's very hateful. Uh, to, to use this, uh, th- th- it's already a slur, but to, to apply it to, to other things that are, are being seen as bad or undesirable, it just adds another layer of hatred to that overall thing. And, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I would never do that now um, because it's just disgusting. And that really is, I think, a part of, of growing up, getting older, understanding who you are, understanding who other people are, and becoming a responsible citizen of the universe to just kind of trim that shit out of your lexicon and, and not be somebody who's part of the problem anymore. Absolutely. And so, like I said, I just saw that and that resonated with me, so I thought that was interesting. So, uh, on to Before different we, uh, news. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to switch to the next article. What were you going to talk about? Well, I was going to talk about the fact that before we came on here, um, you showed me some, uh, some, some recent purchases. Uh, anybody who's listened to this show before knows that you're an avid collector of vinyl, and particularly rock and classic rock vinyl. And you've picked up some really nice pieces pretty recently, but uh, you were showing me uh, some, some some things that you picked up, and uh, 
Um, obviously, you're uh, a committed metalhead, which is a beautiful thing. Um, and one of the, the best metal bands of the last 20 years uh, is a band called Tool. And you used to be in a Tool tribute band, which I is call no metal. small feat. I would call them more prog rock than metal, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Prog rock, metal, prog. Yeah, it's, it's but they're very. Uh, they have a very crunchy sound. But you, uh, you used to be in a Tool tribute band, which is I was, uh, yeah. uh, and and did a great job. And and um, that's not an easy thing to do. Anybody who knows Tool knows that Tool, as as a, a prog rock or prog metal band, is very mathy, uh, almost by definition. Uh, they have songs about the Fibonacci sequence for fuck's sake, and so they do a lot of <laughs> things that are. And I actually was in a band for a little while that covered Stinkfist, and I planned to learn how to play that on drums. And I've never had such an uphill climb trying to learn a drum part in my life before, but. You uh, showed me a couple pieces. You you, uh, you picked up uh, Opiate on vinyl. And, Opiate um, and Undertow, yeah. Yeah, which are, are great records if you're into uh, to, to rock music at all. But uh, just today, we got the news that Tool drummer <laughs> Danny Carey, whose parts I had to learn how to play, so I know how good that guy is, uh, was arrested in an airport for assaulting a dude. He was. And there's video. I, I didn't watch the video yet, but there's video of Tool drummer Danny Carey being arrested following an altercation at, of all places, the Kansas City Airport. Yeah, he was there uh, doing uh, some support for... Uh, there's some college basketball games that he was there for, and he played during the halftime uh, show and and this, that, and the other thing. And like, So he wasn't there with Tool, but he was there. I think he's from the area. I don't know. I, I, I didn't get that far into it, but... Well, it ties into what we were just talking about, because yeah. uh, I hope, this is one of those things that if you're a fan of Tool, uh, they are a fantastic band, but this is one of those cancel moments, because uh, in addition to kind of beating this guy up, which, I mean, it's weird that, like, violence is not an immediate cancellation, because sometimes you got to defend yourself, or sometimes, you know, especially if you're a celebrity, somebody's jamming a camera down your throat, but according to TMZ, I'm reading an article here from, uh, from Louder.com, okay. according to TMZ... Carrie allegedly assaulted a person inside the airport terminal by repeatedly shoving his fingers into their chest while yelling, You're a fucking F word. Which oh, we just Jesus talked about. Jesus Christ. So that's disappointing as shit, especially for somebody who's a Tool fan. And uh, it, it just, it, what, what, God, it, it's just, it's a horrible thing to hear. It's a horrible thing to hear when, when there's somebody who you respect from a, uh, a musical standpoint uh, who just kind of turns out to be at least situationally a garbage person. So. That's a fucking bummer. That's what happened when uh, they had the whole upset with, uh, I'm going to say, wasn't it uh, Elfson, David Elfson from uh, Megadeth that got in trouble? Was it him? Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, for uh, supposedly consorting with a minor or whatever the hell the charges were. He's been trying, <laughs> to, he's been trying to refute the claims, but I mean, that kind of label just sticks. And, and, and for good reason. Yeah, it should. Should that should be a stain that you can't escape. And speaking of that, at the risk of skipping around, again, this this <laughs> is this is our wrap up episode of the season, and so why not be absolutely there. emblematic of the thing that we do, where we just go off on tangents and skip around and talk about whatever shit pops into our head? Uh, Josh Duggar, um, oh, the what uh, a prick, the the one of the scions of the the Duggar family who are famous for. Uh, for just popping out kids, like 18 kids and counting, one of these hyper-fundamentalist, quiverful Christian families who interpret uh, one vague passage of the Bible to say that God wants you to have all the kids it's physically possible for you to have because birth control are bad. Uh, I think they had something like 87 kids, and they lived in this giant fucking house. I don't know, it's a lot. Like, it's a lot. But in any case, Josh Duggar uh, was, was proven to have assaulted children 
uh, some of which were in his own family, um, and, and sexually assaulted them, and then also was just sentenced, or not, no, I, I gotta retract that, was just convicted of several counts of possessing child pornography. That he tried to deny so, was his. Like, yeah. I don't how the fuck it got on your computer, and then you're trying to deny it, but... Uh, there you that go. coupled with the assault allegations from your own family of you being an abusive, uh, sexually assaulting piece of absolute human fucking shit, um, now you're convicted. You're, you're a convicted child pornographer, and uh, a fun corollary to that story because God knows we don't skip around ever. But uh, I, I saw a tweet from Eric Swalwell, who is a congressional representative from the great state of California, who tweeted a picture <laughs> of Josh Duggar hanging out with Ted Cruz, uh, saying, "Hey, buddy." Uh, what's going on with your friend here? Uh, you might yeah. want to, uh, you know, address this if you don't want to, uh, to, uh, to have this be a, a PR nightmare for you. So, you know, that was kind of fun, too. Yeah, so skipping around as we do, we're going to continue on a little bit more of the Nerd News Nexus. I'm sorry, we'll say it the right way. The Nerd News Nexus! Gotta give it the proper gravity. Sure. But, uh, as of next month... PlayStation will be releasing the first two colors of their new uh, faceplates for the PlayStation 5. Uh, which yeah. is anyone who follows the PlayStation 5 news, like I do, like you do, like quite a lot of yes. people who may or may not have been able to get one yet. Um, they've had issues with people coming up with faceplates and then being sued into the oblivion. Uh, yeah. Because they're meant to be swappable, and it's been noticed that they're easy to pop on and pop off. And so uh, companies like Dbrand and a couple other companies have been trying to make their own versions of it, and Dbrand's actually looked really, 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 really good. I was very tempted to get in on the early pre-order for that, uh, for black face plates. And, yeah. and, and then uh, they got a yellow uh, sticker that goes down the middle to change the black to yellow. So be a black. Sony shut them down. Yeah, yeah, big time. Like, they're still making them, uh, but they had to change the design of them so they didn't resemble Sony's at all. And so, uh, uh, they've been toying around with the idea, and everyone knows that Sony's been uh, toying around with the idea of coming out with faceplates, but they're coming out with their uh, first couple next month, uh, a black and a red. And so I'm really tempted to get those red ones and, and run with that. It's like 60 bucks. Yeah, I'll get the black ones. I'll get the black ones because I I have uh, all of my consoles sitting next to the TV and the Switch. uh, I bought the, uh, yeah, you know, it it really is one of those things. My my Switch, I bought the uh, original Switch and it's the gray and black color scheme. The the Xbox Series X is obviously a tiny black refrigerator. It's just uh, an elongated cube. Uh, so the PS5, um, I would like it to have the black panels on it, just because I kind of want things to uh, have a more uniform look over there. Although, I, I, I'll ha- I'm going to tell you this right now, I will hesitate to buy them, and eventually cave on buying them, because I do want that aesthetic. It's stupid, but I do kind of want it. I do want things to match together. But I'm a little bit salty at Sony for doing that, for, for shutting down the third-party accessory developers for putting out their own versions of that, because I don't know, I mean, as, as far back as like when I used to buy Mad Cat's controllers for my NES... Uh, third-party accessories for game consoles are a long and storied tradition. So Shout it kind of cheeses me a little bit. Uh, Shiloh Project. Yeah, for sure. Who used, it's, who used it, to work it doesn't, for Cats. Yeah, good stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me that they would want to shut that down because, I mean, I would think that anybody who, uh, I mean, licensing shit notwithstanding, and it's not necessarily like a public access sort of thing, but 
I would think anybody who wants to make accessories for your console, all it does is drive excitement and sales of the original console. Exactly. You can't buy faceplates if you don't already own a console, so for every set of faceplates that somebody else sells or, or an extra controller or whatever, that means somebody has bought your console. And I don't, I really don't understand Sony being such pricks about this because it just, it just helps them in the long run. Um, but I guess if they were going to be eventually coming out with their own version of things, fine, sure, whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of third-party accessories for a lot of my consoles. I, I have a uh, third-party Switch controller that I like a whole lot uh, because the the uh, the um, the Joy Cons are a little small for my giant hammy meat hooks. So I have a larger controller. <laughs> I actually bought uh, a replica of the original Duke Anchor controller that came out with the original Xbox back in 2000-2001 uh, for use with the Xbox One. It also works with the Series X. It's a giant controller. weighs about 10,000 pounds, but it fits better in my hands, and I use it sometimes if I feel myself getting a little crampy. So um, I don't know why Sony would do that. It's curious that they would, uh, would kind of poke holes in that, but I guess if they were coming out with their own version, uh, sure. Uh, you don't want to endanger any revenue you might generate from something you're putting out in the future, but, I mean, come on, leave these guys alone. They're just trying to make a living, and they're obviously excited about your products, so let them be. Let them sell right. their shit. What's the big deal? Well, the Midnight Black and Cosmic Red covers will be available through PlayStation Direct Early Access in the U.S., U.K., and France, and Germany, starting January 21st, uh, and then through other retailers uh, February 18th on. Uh, Nova Pink, Galactic Purple, and Starlight Blue will follow in the first half of 2022 so i mean looking at all these colors uh, they're fantastic the blue is so brilliantly blue it's it's like that super light blue that everyone like went crazy when they made a a, a dual sense controller or dual shock controller uh that did that and so now they got that all color coordinated they're going to do controllers to match all of the different color schemes and it looks great i can't wait i think it's going to be great 60 bucks is a little bit steep that's the price of a game but uh I don't they know. Cost, I think the they D-brand like versions co- ended up costing like 110 So well, You I mean, know what? That's a good point. I forgot that. Like, it, if you got the sticker and the plates, and now they do, like, the thing D-brand, I think, has got going over uh, uh, PlayStation at this point is they've got uh, light strips that you can put on either side of the face plates. And so then it'll have, like, a little neon glow effect going from top to bottom down the PlayStation. So, or left to right if you lay it on its side, so... Uh, I don't know. That, that that could be something interesting as far as uh, going the the unofficial route, but I don't know. They look pretty good. I can't wait for them. So I just hope they do like a mix and match because I, I you know if they do like a black and a red, if I can get one of each color for each side of the console, that'd be great. Because it's not like I necessarily have any style myself. I really don't. But <laughs> I'm kind of getting into the black and red combo lately because I, I, I bought a car recently that is black and red. And I kind of got into that. I bought some, some red trim accessories for the inside of the black interior. I bought some, some uh, leather black and red seat covers that are really nice. And, and I have a black and red cover on my phone. So, it's I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't mind trimming out the PS5 to kind of match that color scheme, even though I'm not bringing it in the car. But nonetheless, I mean... Uh, I'll probably pick them up. As much as I'm pissed off that Sony decided to, to deep six the the their quasi competitors with that stuff, I I'll I'll probably get them. So uh, a little bit more news before we move on to the rest of the conversation today, uh, and this one uh, is just something that uh, I, I think it just hit the other day. Uh, Netflix has dropped within a week and a half or so after their release on uh, their platform. Netflix has canceled uh, the series Cowboy Bebop, the live-action Cowboy Bebop. 
Sorry, anime fans. That's really sad. It is. And the stars are notably confused. They thought they did a good job. And, and you know. And, and I the only star in there that I, I'm really familiar with is John Cho, but I love his work. So Yeah. Uh, my son has been watching it. He, he likes everything, though, so it's hard to get a gauge on how good the show was without actually watching it myself. But, yeah, it kind of left everyone stunned. They didn't even let it rest for a couple of weeks and, and see what it would generate. No. They just... I think they took the opening week's numbers and they're like, nah, fuck it. Which is really strange, because, I mean, why, if you're Netflix, I mean, I know Netflix kind of has millions, if not billions of dollars kind of just lying around, falling out of its asshole every time they turn around, but for them to license something like Cowboy Bebop, which is a remarkably uh, popular property, the anime series is legendary for good reason, um, and then just give it, like you said, no time. I mean, if it was a pizza... It wouldn't even have been cool by the time they canceled it. I mean, it was just, <laughs> right? they didn't give it any any road to run at all to build an audience or, or to generate word of mouth. They just yanked the rug out within, like you said, like two weeks of the entire series uploading. So it just it's, it is confusing. And the, the folks involved with that, everyone from, from the, uh, the creators to the stars to everybody on down, uh, has every right to be confused that they didn't give it a chance. Meanwhile, they, you know, Netflix stands behind stuff like the Umbrella Academy, which... Oh, <sighs> fucking Dave Chappelle... And Dave Chappelle, right. Like, and okay, the Umbrella Academy, i got to contextualize this, not necessarily problematic, uh, and it is not a bad series. A lot of people enjoy it, but I had a lot of issues with it. Um, and I won't go <laughs> off on this tangent too hard, but stuff Again. like, okay, right, honestly, if you're going to create a, a, a show about a family of superheroes, and then they stand around wringing their hands trying to talk their way out of problems or reason their way out of problems, it would take them ten seconds to solve if they just actually, I don't know, fucking use their powers for ten minutes... I understand that, like, the entire generation of the conflict in that series is, oh, we're these superpower beings, but we've conditioned not to use our abilities because uh, that's the easy way out, and sometimes, you know, like in the case of uh, the rumor, mind control is not ethical, and I get that, but if somebody is directly assaulting you, they're punching you in the face or beating you down with a tire iron, and it, all it would take is a couple words out of your mouth to get them to stop doing it, but instead you just kind of take it and then bitch about it later, I, you know, my, my entire... Uh, idea of that series and again I, I know it's based on a comic where a lot of the source material is the same way but it just superhero properties are hot so to buy a superhero property and then do that with it from a conceptual creative standpoint makes no sense to me at all but then they're getting a third season they're getting a third season of this ridiculous on its ear quasi superhero series but they go ahead and cancel something like cowboy bebop which ran for many many seasons in anime form and has a huge fan base that I, I know has to have watched it. So I don't, I don't understand. I listen to uh, they like do I said that before, shit you, a lot. They really do. They yeah. they they yank shows in their prime, and it's just like I don't understand what the reasoning is. How they they factor in, like what are their goals? What are their intentions? It's like shows like Stranger Things are on like four seasons, right? They're on their fourth season yeah. coming up. Uh, They're on their fourth so, season. And they're obviously very, very popular, but then they have other popular shows that come out that just, they get the axe either the first or second season, and it seems to be no reason, no rhyme. I mean, there's got to be a rhyme and a reason. There's got to be someone up there making the calls, calling the shots, and yeah, I just, I, I can't see through their mystifying cancellation schedule. I don't, I don't understand what causes it. No, me either. And like I said before, I listened to the Script Notes podcast, which is hosted by John Lagos and Craig Mason. It's all about as the tagline says on that podcast, screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. And they talk quite a bit about the impenetrable 
uh, both logic and financing of Netflix, because streaming is a real thing, and um, you know at least in Craig's case, uh, he's, he's creating the, the last couple series he did for HBO, but they uh, they're airing on not just HBO on cable, but also going up on HBO Max, and they're streaming. So uh, HBO is much more fair because they're a much more established entity. They've been around since the early 80s, so they have a little bit more of a trenchant uh, uh, business practice as well as kind of being established as, as opposed to Netflix. But they, they bitch a lot because they have a lot of friends around town who also work in the industry, who are showrunners, who are writers, who are creators and actors. And they, uh, they actually knew some people, and they addressed this on the most recent episode they did, who have worked on Netflix series, including Cowboy Bebop, that just kind of got yanked without any explanation, without any rationale. And they said, you know, Hollywood accounting, put in quotes, has always been a very Byzantine prospect because uh, the studios don't want to pay any more than directly necessary to their creative people, to their actors, to their, their writers or whatever. So they move the books around and cook things in ways that make it seem like movies never make any money um, because things get swallowed up in residuals, things get, you know, the, the, the movie costs X amount of dollars to make and then twice as much to promote and all the rest of this shit. So Hollywood accounting is, is a, a euphemism for fucking around with the, the, the money. And, and that's been a long-standing thing. So that's nothing new. But apparently Netflix just takes it to an absolutely ridiculous extreme because Netflix is a privately owned company and they're, they have no obligation uh, to release their numbers. But uh, Craig and, and John both are talking about, you know, every time they do something, whether it's Red Notice or Squid Game or whatever it is, they come out and say, oh, it's the biggest thing we've ever put out. Uh, they won't release the data. And they do things instead of like number of streams, they talk about streaming hours. And they've gotten into things like, well, what if, you know, uh, three or four different members of a family watch it in different rooms at different times of the week when something comes out? Does all that count? Or is it, do they do it by account? How do they do it? But, you know, Netflix isn't telling. Uh, they don't release their numbers. They don't talk about anything. And because the old model of a studio or production company or producer, director, stars, whatever, making a movie... And then the studio distributes the movie and it goes to theaters where they get a certain chunk of the revenue for that. And then it comes out on home video and they get a chunk of revenue for that. All that's gone now uh, because of streaming, because of limited window release things, because of COVID. It's a, it's a brave new world. And that has given opportunists and shady business practice people a, a, a chance to kind of swoop in and, and rewrite the rules undercover and not have to, to tell anybody what the fuck they're doing. So... Uh, John and Craig have both worked for streamers. They have done properties that haven't gotten theatrical releases and have instead gone straight to to, uh, to stream. But because of that secondary market being cut out because home video and DVDs aren't really a thing anymore, they still are, but nowhere to the degree they used Not to be. Not really. Uh, the, the accounting has gotten really on its ear. And, and they, they, they talk quite a bit about, because obviously they're, they're screenwriters, they're showrunners, they, they have a vested interest in getting paid and making a living creating entertainment and doing what they do. And they're both really, really fucking good at it. So they, uh, they, they talk a lot about how the studios and the streamers and everybody else kind of plays a real three-card Monty slash shell game trying to, to hide the numbers a lot so that they don't have to pay them what they're worth. And it's sad. But then it comes down to something like Cowboy Bebop, where we'll never know what the ratings, quote-unquote, ratings were because Netflix is so shady about their numbers. Yeah, there's no deal families for that. There's no, no way to judge anymore. They're the only ones that know, and they use some kind of weird smoke and mirrors, behind-the-scenes <laughs> algorithmic uh, accounting or, or way to tot up the numbers where... They don't have to tell you. And if they decide to cancel what should have been an ostensibly successful series based on a popular license, uh, having A-list stars in it, and they just go, ah, no, we're done with that. It, it just, we're, I don't, I don't get it thing. either. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, 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 we're done. New. That's it. 
You know, and, and maybe that's just the, the way the entertainment industry is going these days. I mean, with so many streamers coming out with, with uh, their own original content, and of course uh, with Hulu and Disney doing their own thing, and Paramount doing their own thing, and I mean, it's just... And HBO Max and Netflix and yeah, Disney Plus. It's, it's just... cable without being cable again, and it's I'm getting pissed yeah. about that because I'm spending God knows amount of money for all these streaming services, but... Ultimately, as much as we used to pay for cable, cord cutting yeah. used to be a cost-effective option when when it was just Netflix and then Hulu came along not long after that. But now, there are almost as many streaming services as there are cable. I know, got Peacock and whatever else, and it's just it's crazy the amount of uh, of streaming services there are. And if you want to watch everything, you're ponying up just as much, if not more, than you used to pay for cable. It is a little more convenient because it tends to be on demand, uh, so you can sort of watch things at your own leisure. But well, uh, even things like a um, yeah. A DVR kind of was was the gap bridger on that one, but at the risk of uh, of, of turning around and, and damning streaming with faint praise, and then uh, sort of like saying nice things about them in the next breath, uh, before the next episode of this podcast that we record, because we're taking a little break after the season wraps up, and we're going to start up again and, and uh, get some episodes going in January to, to kind of upload late January, early February, uh, by the time we do another episode, uh, Matrix Resurrection will, will uh, have hit uh, both theaters and HBO Max. Free your mind. Yeah. So that is another giant uh, piece of geek news. Uh, it's been this thing. I've, I've noticed this trend in in, uh, and maybe it has to do with nostalgia. Maybe it has to do with the fact that um, you know the boomers are sort of edging out as a demographic that's that's economically viable to market to, and and we Xers are kind of becoming the the the, the generation that that is becoming the sort of cultural tastemakers. But there's been this thing. Uh, for the last couple of years where after a movie gets a good run, whether it's 80s or 90s sort of identified franchise, uh, they can come back at any time. I just watched yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife three oh. times in the movie theater. I Fantastic piece of entertainment. And we'll, just, uh, and we're going to get to a, a spoiler-filled uh, review of that movie here coming up really quick. But yeah. uh, uh, The moratorium will be up by the time we record again. Absolutely. But I, Matrix, I, I, uh, the Matrix is... is yeah. Oh god, that movie was fantastic! Uh, but much like Ghostbusters, or, uh, or I'm trying to think of any other, there've been a lot of them that have just kind of come back after 10, 12, you know, well, 20, Bill and Ted to, years. to throw another. Shit, yeah, uh, there you go. Keanu Reeves, at another you. Keanu Reeves uh, franchise. Yeah, so to, to for them to be able to just kind of dust off movies that that were landmark cinematic milestones and then kind of bring them back. Um, Independence Day. It, it looks that a little strange, great, as far as I know. I didn't watch that one. Well, something that I find curious is that I've watched the, the Resurrections trailer a couple of times, and uh, they have obviously, if you've seen the trailer at all, they've brought back Keanu Reeves' as Neo and Carrie Ann Moss' as Trinity, but they have done, they, they've recast some other roles. Morpheus, like I saw the, um, yeah, Morpheus. Morpheus used to be Lawrence Fishburne, and now he's being played by Yahya Abdul-Mateen, and he's also a fantastic actor, but I remember watching the trailer thinking, uh, so clearly they're sort of like rebooting doing a soft reboot of the series because whoever this guy is in the dojo uh, who kind of looks like Morpheus and who's obviously serving that role is not Morpheus, but he's listed on IMDb as playing Morpheus. So I thought it was great I because they... I read an article about uh, when Lana Wachowski came uh, and e and either emailed or texted uh, Keanu Reeves asking him uh, if he wanted to be in another Matrix movie. Uh, he was, of course, effusive with, yes, I'd love to, but then he's like, but wait, I'm dead. Yeah, <laughs> and she basically just sent him a, a thing going. Don't worry about it. I got a whole thing, and then she revealed the story to him. And of course, he fell in love with the story. So, I'm really we'll curious just right to around see that. 
<laughs> right. I'm dead. Ah, yeah, whatever. Dead with a schmed, whatever. But, um, it's, you know, it's, Morpheus isn't the only role they've recast. Um, Hugo Weaving, very famously playing uh, Agent Smith in the first uh, series of films, is now played by Jonathan Groff, who is a fantastic actor, done a lot of Broadway. He famously um, played the king in Hamilton, if you've watched that, on stage uh, in New York, or if you've seen the Disney Plus broadcast of that. He's a fantastic actor, but he looks nothing like Hugo Weaving. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. They've, they've recast a lot of these very key roles in Hugo this Weaving, franchise. Hugo Weaving, I get, though. He, he's, he's got this thing where he doesn't like to look back. Like, if yeah. he's gotten under, done a role, like, they couldn't get him back for uh, uh, Infinity War or Endgame either uh, because right. he didn't want to reprise his role. Of course, he played notably uh, uh, Red Skull in the Captain America uh, First Avenger movie. And kind of, he's got a kind of an attitude with his acting of been there, done that. And yeah. so, uh, which I can't fault him for, you know, some actors yeah. are like that. You go into a they, space, they had to sign him for all the Lord of the Rings and, movies at the same time and even shoot a couple of those simultaneously just to get him to stick around. But yeah, he, he, he definitely leaves things behind. <laughs> yeah. To the point where when they had to bring Red Skull back for, uh, for the Avengers films, uh, they made him a CGI character and had uh, Ross Marquand, famous... Uh, uh, and excellent, actually. Was he CG? Or was it just Ross he was totally CG. in makeup? It was. It was. Uh, I, I heard that it was uh, that Ross Marquand did the um, the the, uh, the voice, but Red Skull himself. Well, because he was so makeupy in, in the, they just they did him in, in CG. He was a totally CG character. He was a thin, synth thespian in that film. A synth thespian. I like that. Who wouldn't want to see? By the way, just as an aside, as we do, you know, at the end of Endgame, where. Uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers is tasked with taking all the stones back to their original locations. Yep. Um, who wouldn't want to see that on Vormir? Just see uh, Cap show up and... <laughs> see, hey, buddy. See, how you been? You! Why are you here? <laughs> what the shit? Okay, I, just, I, I was kind of hoping song. that would show up in one of the What If episodes, too. Just because that's the thing that fans really wanted to see. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be fucking brilliant. But yeah, uh, one last little piece of news, and I know you wanted to talk about this, so I'm going to let you kind of um, pardon the ta- the ta- pun wax on this one a little bit. But uh, there is this thing in the news again, and you brought it to my attention that it is old news resurfacing. But uh, lots of reports coming out painting First Lady Nancy Reagan of Just Say No fame. As a bit of a party girl back in the day, a pass around girl. Uh, yeah, uh, if, if we if we may have to throw a content warning on the top of this episode, just well, because maybe, of maybe this we can dance segment. around it. Maybe dance around it a little bit. Let's okay, see yeah, we we'll do. use some, we'll use some euphemistic language uh, here. But uh, yeah, uh, this is kind of funny. Uh, ben Shapiro, um, who is a conservative commentator who just Douche can't track. stop shooting himself in the fucking foot every time he new, opens him his and mouth. his new best friend Gina Carano. Oh, yeah. They're, they're best buds now, uh, and they deserve to be. But uh, mm. Ben Shapiro last made the news as far as... Because I don't pay attention to that shit, Bert. I don't. I think he's a piece of crap. <laughs> but ahead. he made the news uh, not long ago for being critical of the Cardi Shocking. B and Megan the Stallion hit, WAP, which I will not outline what... Because if we're going to keep this tidy, um, we're not going to outline Wet what that talks about. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, beep. So, um, yeah. And Ben Shapiro came out and said... Um, Boy, that sounds like a medical condition. Maybe somebody needs to get a mop and get these girls to a doctor. And, of course, that turned into everybody online turning around and mocking Ben Shapiro. 
Oh and my they god. still do. Oh my god, uh, it was so Tell good. me you've never satisfied your wife without without telling me you've never satisfied your wife. <laughs> um, the Sahara yeah, and, Desert. I, I, recently the I just Sahara saw Desert. a... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I saw a meme that was very funny of the... Um, uh, the he sh- who shall not be named uh, Kenosha Shooter, a uh, punk mm. little fucking snot-nosed asshole kid uh, with his crocodile tears on the, the witness stand and uh, they, they put the picture up and the meme said uh, yep drier than Ben Shapiro's wife so <laughs> that was funny so Ben Shapiro is once again in the news because he put up a picture of Madonna who is out there in her 60s living her best fucking life good for her good for uh, her she recently released uh, in order to kind of coincide with an album she's coming out with some promotional photos and one of them was Madonna wearing some lingerie a corset sexed up like Madonna is even in her 60s I've seen uh, the picture kind of riding too. around on a bed not yeah, bad. I mean, she, you know, She's she, got she it. looks great. Yeah. Good for her. I mean, surgery notwithstanding, whatever it is, she just bathes in the blood of virgins or <laughs> slathers herself in Nivea or whatever the fuck she does every night. Um, she looks great. So good for her. And she can wear whatever the fuck she wants because uh, she looks good. And even if she, you know, wasn't like conventionally attractive, she you know, wear what the fuck you want. Wear whatever you want, whatever makes you feel confident. But this motherfucker, Ben Shapiro, had to come out and be like... Um, yeah, look at Madonna here. She's uh, This is trashy versus classy. Here's Madonna at 65, puts up a picture of the promo that she did for her album. And here's Nancy Reagan at 65. And the other half of the picture collage was Nancy Reagan surrounded by family, hanging out what looks like some kind of white privilege, Cape Cod paradise, surrounded by grandchildren, wearing like some conservative outfit, saying this is the way we should be striving to live as opposed to this. Trashy versus classy. <laughs> And so, of course, Twitter, in its infinite wisdom, and in its, in its groupthink hive mind genius, had to come you, out Twitter. and say, "Yeah, have, have we forgotten Kitty Kelly's famous biography of Nancy Reagan, in which she very credibly <laughs> outlined the fact that Nancy Reagan kind of got passed around like a party favor on the MGM lot back when she was an actress when she and Ronnie first got together back yeah. in the 50s and 60s, uh, because apparently she had quite the reputation for being, shall we say, the throatist. Particularly skilled in a particular style of job. Yeah, she's the throat goat. So, uh, and that was something she was quite famous for. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Yeah, (laughs) to the point where uh, she was even rumored to have been able to handle, without any kind of, uh, of issue at all, uh, legendary uh, Clydesdales like fucking Milton Berle. Um, so, apparently Nancy Reagan uh, was very, very talented. And Twitter was very, very quick to point this out. And then, of course, the, the, the meme roller, steamroller, started getting uh, picking up I'm steam and, 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 and going crazy uh, with, with, uh, with, with memes of Nancy Reagan um, and, and people that she is rumored to have been with and there was even uh, back in the day too short the uh, the very famous kind of porn rapper uh referenced nancy reagan's uh abilities uh, in a way that was probably yeah. disingenuous but at least made reference to even before kitty kelly's biography i think the fact that that she was kind of legendary for um for her work ethic um i, I love so, there's a picture of her going around uh, holding up a football jersey and on the back it just says throat goat <laughs> There's a picture, a famous picture, of um, of, of her on Mr. T's lap at some point. Uh, he, he's kind of dressed like Santa Claus back in the 80s uh, with, with gold chains, but a Santa Claus outfit. And uh, Nancy Reagan is apparently on his lap. And people are like, you have to wonder. You really have to wonder if uh, if she was still... I mean, obviously, sort of looking back on, on 
presidential dalliances. You kind of have to think about like Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. You got to think about Melania. Um, uh, yeah, and you have to sort of think about um, um, oh shit, who's the other one? Uh, you got to kind of go back and think about Marilyn Monroe and JFK. But apparently, you also have to go back and think about Nancy Reagan and absolutely goddamned everybody. <laughs> so Nancy Reagan, posthumously, we salute you, the throat goat. Ugh, Good I'm times. Over Good here. times I'm and great oldies. I'm dying over here. Reagan must have had something going for him to land that Philly, well, he, we'll just say. He had that perpetual smile and that sort of like easy uh, Western star charm. Um... I mean, I, I, as a president, he was a complete and utter failure. I mean, if you listen to anybody on the right, they've basically canonized the guy. But the reason why our entire economic system is in complete fucking shambles right now is, is directly because of Ronald Reagan. Him cutting the uh, top-tier tax rate from being somewhere in the mid-70% down to like somewhere in like the mid to slightly higher 30%. Uh, single-handedly created the 1% and saw to it that corporations could avoid taxes and that most of the wealth created would flow directly to the, the top earners in this country and and that uh, the middle class would, uh, would would never be able to, to really get a leg up again. In the 70s, the Carter administration was really the last time in America when a family could survive and actually thrive on one income, buy a new car every two years, buy a house, send their kids to college and save a little something for retirement. But ever since Ronnie took over and trickle-down Reaganomics became the order of the day, um, things have irretrievably gone the other way. And, uh, I so mean, I but other that. than that... Yeah, other than that. So, uh, apparently, uh, he wasn't just uh, happy, uh, you know, uh, fucking his wife's mouth. He was also uh, pretty happy fucking the middle class. So, there you go. Nancy Ooh. Reagan. <laughs> well, and uh, I have to put a little bit of, a, a, little bit of a, uh, a disclaimer on that. Not just for a content warning, but also, I'm not a slut shamer. I mean, I'm really not. I'm not a slut shamer. If you want to go out there and be an absolute libertine, if you want to be promiscuous, as long as you're ethical and responsible, fucking go for it. I have absolutely no problem with Nancy Reagan ever blowing half of Hollywood back in the day. Zero. But for Christ's sake, don't be sanctimonious about it. Don't deny who you are. And and don't sit there and say, to to, to put yourself in your little uh, power suit with your shoulder pads and pretend to be somebody you're not. I mean, okay, again, like we said earlier, you and I were indiscreet when we were kids, using language we shouldn't, using slurs we shouldn't, we grew. She's allowed to grow and become, you know, uh, the first lady and kind of move past her her, her apparently illustrious uh, history. Um, Good for her, but at the same time, I mean, uh, be who you are and own who you are. Whoever you are, as long as you're authentic and honest about it, uh, we don't slut shame around here, Um, but, you know, we do kind of look uh, a little bit a scans of people who are disingenuous. Absolutely. Don't be duplicitous. Don't be a liar. Just be honest about who you are and lean into it. And for Christ's sake, uh, if you're, if you're going to be somebody who wants to uh, give the old Gluck Gluck 9,000 to uh, the half of Hollywood, own up. Be honest. And for God's sakes, Ben Shapiro, learn how to please a woman. <laughs> do a little bit of research before you decide to cast aspersions on somebody like Madonna. Because apparently... Bro. She, uh, it, like a virgin or not, Madonna was was a, a sort of a legendary mattress, and good for her. I'm not using that as a pejorative, because like I said, we don't slut shame around here. Good Hell for no, her, good she was, but at least she was honest about it. Her right. image was in keeping with her, her activity. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Ben Shapiro, just, uh, you're a piece of shit. Next time you try to slut shame somebody, uh, charity starts at home, buddy. Go please <laughs> your wife first. She's she probably getting it for someone else. But <laughs> Let's hope. Let's fucking hope. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. See also oh. DJ Khaled. DJ doesn't eat pussy. 
At least he has the decency to scream out his name at the beginning of every song so you can turn the channel if you're listening to the radio. <laughs> uh. For real. Oh, man, and I know we talked about DJ Khaled. That was funny. Oh, God, that would a twit. But anyways, so one more thing I kind of wanted to tap into is just kind of uh, before we end the season uh, on our foul mouth ribaldry. Is it ribaldry? <laughs> is, is that the word? <laughs> Uh, yeah, foul-mouthed ribaldry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I kind of wanted to look at kind of where we started and, and where we've come. And, and like I said, I started this podcast, uh, the Feel Your Fandom podcast. I started it back in 2019. It's just kind of an expression and an outlet of, of my personal uh, need to interact with people. Uh, I had been doing the, uh, the cooking and complicated thing for a while, and that kind of got shit-canned. Uh, for various reasons, and uh, it just wasn't doing what I needed it to do. It wasn't reaching anybody. It wasn't. Uh, uh, it, it was a really difficult to maintain. Yeah. And so I was looking for something that uh, wouldn't be super frustrating to do on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. I didn't really have a schedule when I first started. The first season was, I think, eleven episodes plus like a, a teaser for the beginning of the thing, but. Uh, I, I, I really didn't have a plan. I didn't have a, uh, a notion of what this could become. I just kind of wanted to talk, uh, nerdy topics with, with, with friends and, and, and sit down and, and be able to have those conversations. And of course that's when COVID hit and threw everybody's plans out the fucking window. Mm-hmm. And so what it became is, and looking back through all the different episodes, uh, from season one, season two, it was a lot of growth, a lot of development of what this would actually become. Because season two ended up starting with the COVID thing and, and having to find a way to do this uh, virtually, for the most part. Because uh, season two started out with, I mean, I had a couple of guests here and there uh, in, in, the, in the live meat space, as you call it. Um, yep. But uh, really, it was a lot of digital and a lot of, of uh, Zoom meetings and things like that. But uh, I got to see, I, I mean, just looking back over the list of titles, I really got to uh, start interacting with a wider group of people, musicians and and, and, and hip-hop guys and uh, my group of friends and comic book writers. And, and, and that's when it started expanding, is that I, I, I was talking with my friend Eric, and of course Eric uh, Trotman got me into talking to Brandon Jerwa, who's a comic writer, Mark Rahner, who's been on the show, he's a comic writer. And so I've been able to not only expand my guest list, but expand my friends list. Because now these are guys that I can just reach out and talk to and talk nerdy shit whenever I want to. And it's fantastic. And, and then, of course, you know, got to sit down with BJ Shea. And uh, I got to sit down with uh, uh, Iron Mike, the photographer for KISW. And, uh, and then, of course, you have wonderfully introduced me to John Champion and I've never looked back on that. We've had lots of good conversations with John. He's amazing. Uh, Always has been. Oh yeah, he's a stellar dude, but uh, we've been able to not only just interview people, but we've been able to expand the list of topics that we have because the the idea is if we don't know something, we know people who do. Uh, We want to be able to tap into this arena where uh, we don't want to just yell into the void and say, I know everything about a topic, because who the hell wants to listen to a conversation like that? 
Uh, I don't even want to have a conversation like that. <laughs> right? Uh, the idea is, of course, it's always been a, a two-way uh, conduit kind of conversation. And so uh, right around midpoint of uh, uh, season two is when you came on board. I came. I brought you on uh, for a couple episodes, you know, just hanging out, having fun. And the cover, Under the Covers episode 34, uh, back in November of last year, I think was the first time yeah, I had you on. and. That's one of my absolute favorite episodes still to this day because I love music and I love talking to you about music because you're obviously such a fan. But uh, then we got into talking with uh, Shiloh Prychuk. You came back for that one. You came back for the Fan Theories episode. And that's where we really started, me and you, clicking. And uh, we talked to Taryn and Paul and then we did the Bob's Burgers thing. And then during the break uh, last December is when we discussed bringing you on full time and and just doing this kind of as a I kind of like to think of it as a like a like a radio show without the music and 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 that might change too. We might start going in music. We might start going uh other directions with this just to kind of poke around and see what we can do and that that's kind of what the the winter break here is going to be about is just kind of fleshing out what we want to do new and what worked and what maybe didn't work and I don't know. It's been good. yeah. I mean, this we, whole thing is a work in progress. I mean, I, I I've been tremendously flattered and happy to uh, to be able to to sit down with you and create some earhole content every week and, and and reach people. I've I've gotten some feedback from some great friends, uh, some of whom are coming on as guests next season, which I'm very looking forward to. Um, and it's just been uh, really a lot of fun to be able to kind of dig into this stuff because honestly, I mean, I, I one of my uh, earliest fandoms was. Uh, I really got into movies as a kid, but I didn't really see a movie that I saw myself in. I didn't really identify with the movie until about college or so, when Kevin Smith started making movies. And Clerks oh, I was going to say Teen Wolf. Oh, well, you know, I'm hairy, but at least I don't howl at the moon anymore. That was the thing I got rid of was when I started cutting all the slurs out of my language. But, uh, yeah, I saw myself on screen, and, and it just really, I kind of... The fact that even at that age, I was sitting around having geek conversations about Star Wars and 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 all that kind of stuff. I just I, these these guys these these slackers hanging out in dead end jobs talking about pop culture. Exactly. You know, this is an audio only medium, but folks can't see this. But uh, Saint's got his Jane Silent Bob T-shirt on. So that was a very early thing for me to be able to sort of like, hey, I have had the reason I love that movie so much and kind of followed his whole career ever since is because these are conversations that I had with my friends sitting around at dead-end jobs, being young and un- unambitious and not necessarily looking forward to like having a great future, you didn't know that those were going to be the glory years. When you, know, when you get old like I am, you don't, you don't think to yourself, hey, I wish I could go back and be 22 years old again, sit up until 2 o'clock in the morning drinking beer and talking about Star Wars. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days. I get to be in my mid-40s and still kind of hanging out and talking about Star Wars. I mean... It's these were conversations we would probably have anyway. So to be able to, to get the, the software going to record these things and uh, kick them out into the universe, into the ether, and, uh, and if other people want to listen to it too, or or even again, I'll remind you once more to come on and participate and talk to us about these things if you've got a fandom. Um, it's just it's a it's a remarkably rewarding thing to to not just do it, but to to hear from people that have listened that they actually enjoy it and and that they're getting something out of it. It just it really. Anytime you do something creative, whether it's the music that you or I do, or there's the writing you or I've done, or whether it's this podcast or whatever, 
any art, and I, I would hesitate to characterize any of the stuff I do as art, but any <laughs> art, any creative endeavor is, is an attempt on the part of the person who creates it to, to reach somebody else who, who, can, who can sympathize, who can empathize, who can relate, who understands a lot of the same things and, and who wants to participate uh, and experience that thing um, and to, to, to feel something about it. So um, in, in that, this has been a remarkably rewarding thing. I'm, I'm super thrilled to, to, uh, to have been asked to be a part of it and to, to be able to help kind of hammer it into shape going forward. And, and it's just been a lot of fun. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, kicking off a new season, taking things yeah. in some new directions, having some, some, some cool, awesome guests on that we're already starting to line up but that we can't really talk about because we're kind of finalizing that shit. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be great going forward. It's been uh, great looking back. One of the great things that we got going on now is uh, the charity is going to keep going and kicking into high gear, and we're going to uh, kind of push that harder into the new year. It, it's certainly not just a thing that we're doing for the holidays. It's going to be year-round. We're just going to find yep. new and innovative ways to kind of get the word out and spread the message. Uh, we've already raised a fairly decent amount of money for that, uh, for the for the launch that we've done, and so we're looking forward to getting that message out there again. Uh, I know that we've uh, Feel Your Fandom has adopted a family at uh, Olympic Cards and Comics. They do a lot of uh, charitable work around the holiday season, and so I got to go out last night and do because uh, I finished all my Christmas shopping for the most part. I keep finding shit on Amazon that I want. And I should I, think about starting on one of these days. I spoil my wife with new shit every day. I, I, I got you more shit. She's like, I told you to stop. It's like, never. Are. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the cool Clearly, thing your is, love is, language is giving gifts. We know that. Sure, and uh, and one of the cool things is is uh, I got to go back out, and I hate going out shopping. I hate being in the in the uh, meat space of, of shopping during the holiday season. Even Any before COVID, for, holiday shopping was a pain in the ass. Correct, and uh, but I mean it was for a good cause, and so I went out and did that last night and picked up a bunch of cool shit for these. Uh, kids the underprivileged kids that's going to go help out and i'm really looking forward to, to getting those dropped off and i don't know it might become a yearly thing it's it's actually very very uh satisfying in a way that you know i'm, I'm the kind of guy that buying shit for myself sometimes is satisfying you ever have that feeling where it's like you go out to buy something for yourself and it's like it doesn't fill the void uh, yeah a little bit of retail therapy that doesn't necessarily get any closer to being recovered right and so you just like why am I doing this? And, and, and I got to turn the tables on that the other day, and it's like I know why I'm doing this. This feels good. Yeah. You know, I, I'm yeah, really sure. enjoying this. So that's something I'm definitely going to explore uh, more in the new year. And uh, another aspect of my, I, I've been finding that my geekery is spreading as I do this podcast, uh, like I'm, a rash, like a like a rash you can't get rid of. But uh, so, like I said, I'm, I'm collecting the vinyl and. Uh, I, I did the cosplay for Comic-Con this year, which is just a Star Trek costume, but for the first time in years, I'm going to start trying to put together a new costume. I'm going to be doing a Ghostbusters cosplay next year. And Sweet. so I've already reached out to Paul, and he, of course, tried to get me. He's like, oh, my God, really? You got 15 minutes to back this HasLab's <laughs> Ghostbusters act, uh, uh, proton pack, and, and, it's, and it's fucking killer. It's It's beautiful i wish to god i could it was like four hundred dollars and it does replica and it doesn't ship until like 2023 mid to late 2023 so it's like i could i couldn't justify it but i did buy the spirit halloween pack which is of course three quarter size but whatever 
And uh, I bought the Hasbro Pulse Egon Spengler uh, Neutrono Wand, which is the, the the gun portion of the Proton Pack that'll attach. And I bought a trap, a cheap old trap that I'm gonna you know paint up and scar up and install a, a smoke machine inside of and and drag that around with me. And so I'm getting really into the idea of it. Like I've never really been the cosplay dude, but I don't know. Something about it just seems really fun. Yeah. So. You know, if I was going to cosplay anything, I would probably throw together a Ghostbusters uniform, too. Just because it's really, you know... Uh, Any slug can I'm, do it! Right. I mean, like, I'm a tubby dude. I'll admit that. You know, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm definitely on a weight loss journey that's going slowly but surely. But I still got about 30 pounds to lose. But nonetheless, I mean, the jumpsuit, it hides a lot of cheeseburgers. So why don't you and that 15 cheeseburger eating Rico Suave look and motherfucker go on because he ain't beating nobody. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can trick that thing out with all kinds of accessories. You can throw patches on it. You can do all the things. Um, but, yeah, that, that, you know, maybe one of these days I'll, uh, I'll join you in that and uh, throw something together for myself as well. Sure. Like, I got my wife already planning uh, cosplay next year. She's like, all right, so next year if I go in costume, I'm going to do something comfortable. I want to go as, as Dr. Sattler from Jurassic Park. That way she's got the flannel, she's got the hat. You know, you know, and then you get too hot, you could take off the flannel and tie it around your waist, just like in the movie, yeah. and be comfortable. I'm like, that is fucking genius. That is absolutely genius. Nicely uh, done. And uh, I don't know how hot a, a Nomex flight suit gets, but I guess I'm going to find out. <laughs> I guess we will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've been I've been really embracing uh, aspects of my fandom, and and so I absolutely feel like that's going to color uh, these episodes coming into the new season. I mean. If I'm going to be building props and and painting replicas and and things like that, that's going to obviously make me reach out to more and and different markets for uh, guests for us to talk to and and things we can talk about. Uh, I've got a publicist that I'm I'm talking to that may or may not end up helping us uh, develop our brand a bit more and and kind of figure out how to push past uh, barriers uh, as far as reaching your ear holes directly. Um, but, I mean, we got a lot of exciting things coming up. And, and it's really... You sure do. It's a fun time to, to be a geek. It really is. Yeah, I for don't... sure. I mean, it, it really is. There's so much great stuff. There's so much media. There's so many video games, movies, so much music. You know, oh, at the risk of like kind absolutely. of bookending this, this entire episode, coming back to the thing we talked about at the top, of just being deluged with media. It's, it's just such a great time to be a nerd. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm super happy to be talking about this stuff and, and diving into it all the time. There's, we're never at a loss for stuff to talk about. There's always things happening. There's always great stuff on the horizon. So, Scandal uh, yeah, being able to, to and, yeah, just dig there. into it and break it down and check it out and look forward to it. Get hyped up and get excited and talk about how excited we are about it before it comes out. And then once it comes out, talk about how excited we are to watch it or listen to it or play it or whatever it is. Read it, you know. It's uh, it's just we're never going to be at a loss for, uh, for for great stuff to talk about because the culture has always given us new fodder for discussion. Absolutely, and that's kind of the the nature of the show. That's kind of uh, why we do what we do. And uh, of course, we couldn't do that without all of y'all listening. And so, uh, again, I, I know we say it all the time, and it sounds like we just throw it out there, but we wouldn't be anywhere without you guys listening. We would just be two dudes staring at each other over Zoom. And uh, I mean, we can and do believe that. me, I'm nothing to look at. Same. I told I told the <laughs> publicist I was talking to the other day. I'm like, you know, I have a face made for radio, right? And uh, I don't think she got the joke, but I thought it was funny. 
if not a bit sad, but um, but yeah. I Meanwhile, mean, the one radio host we've talked to is actually ridiculously attractive, so maybe that's not a thing anymore. Taryn, yeah, she's 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 a good looking girl. She's very good, and and just and fantastic at her job. Wonderful at what she does, and just a fantastic human being. Uh, maybe we'll get her back on. That'd be great. Um, but I mean, all told, I really enjoy doing this. I enjoy doing this with you, uh, Jim, and uh, we like being able to interact with our fans. And so, for the final time in this season three, I'm going to let you know how you can get in touch with us. You can, of course, reach us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. You can send us an email. Our email address is fuelyourfandom at gmail.com. You can also always reach out to us at the backup slash alternative email address, which is fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. And we hope you do. I say this pretty much every week, but we want to hear from you. We want to hear if there's anything that you'd like us to talk about, whatever it is that you're excited about, let us know. You can send show topic suggestions there. Uh, if you uh, know of somebody interesting who... Uh, who you'd like us to talk to, uh, especially up to and including yourself. That is also where you send us guest suggestions. And uh, because we're worldwide, we are everywhere. You can find us in all kinds of different places online. You can get us on Instagram at at Fuel Your Fandom. You can find us on Twitter at at Fuel underscore Your. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, we uh, are still taking donations for the Fuel the Future charity program. And you can send us those donations to help out underprivileged kids with comics and other fun geekery. Uh, on Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal, at all three places, we are at Fuel Your Fandom, and so we would love to hear from you there so that we can help to create the next generation of fans. And of course, any place you get your fine podcasts, we're happy that we are one of the ones you listen to. But you can find us on any different syndication platform. Uh, we're on Stitcher, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Spotify, we're on Audible, we're on Google Podcasts, we're everywhere you get fine podcasts. Uh, but if you are impatient, and I know that I am sometimes, so I totally empathize with that, every Friday we upload new episodes. Well, I'm going to contextualize that again. Every Friday you upload the new episode because you're the driving force <laughs> behind this whole machine. At... FuelYourFandom.BuzzSprout.com B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T.com Fuel Your Fandom, you know how to spell that. It's right in the title. Scroll up if you can't figure it out. Uh, but again, <laughs> as I always say, however you find us, we're glad you find us because we are always really happy to invade your ear holes with our nonsense. Absolutely. And like I said, we're looking forward to new guests, new adventures, and, and uh, we're, we're never going to run out of nerd news. Uh, we're never, never. going to run out of things to talk about. So... Uh, as long as you'll have us in your ears, that's where we'll be. I mean, I don't plan on going anywhere with this. So, We like it. It's, uh, it's all soft and warm in there. Absolutely. Uh, you might want to get, grab a Q-tip, though. But uh, A little bit of, little bit of buildup around the eardrum. Uh, but I wasn't going to say anything, but as long as I'm in here, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm the guy that wants to let you know you got spinach in your teeth, so I'll let you know you <laughs> might want to, uh, to, to grab a, uh, one of those cleaners and, and get around the corners a little bit better. But uh, buckle up, guys, because this isn't isn't over by a far sight. We got so much new shit coming out that we can talk about Halo and and Spider Man, and we're going to talk about Ghostbusters. We're going to talk about Dune. We're going to talk about you know all this wonderful Star geek Trek media. Prodigy. We're going to talk about yeah. all kinds of amazing stuff, and and we, we hope we can uh, look forward to having you along for the ride. There's not a desert of information. There's definitely a plethora of. Uh, a, a glut of 
nerd-related uh, media, and where there's nerd-related media, you'll find Jim and I. So from the bottom of our Amen. hearts, we want to thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Feel Your Phantom Podcast. And please remember, this holiday season and forever where you go, uh, that everything is fandom. And fandom truly is everything. Take care. Booyah. Boo.